Father, this is our story and this is our song. And we give you all the credit and all the glory. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for obeying the Father's will and for making a way for us to be able to here in 2024 on this Sunday be able to sing, this is my story, this is my song. Thank you for the blessed assurance that we have through Jesus Christ, sealed by the presence of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Thank you. We are a grateful people, and we just want to say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, assurance is an amazing thing that we have in a world where people are not sure of anything. They're living nervous, wandering around nervous. They want to be confident in something, and that something is Jesus Christ. And so, as people who have that blessed assurance, let's make sure we live praising Him all the day long. Amen? And I hope that this morning's word that the Lord has laid on my heart this week will continue to build that assurance in your life this morning. This morning we're going to look at the topic of on the move, GPS is always active. GPS, for our context this morning, refers to God's providential sovereignty, is always active. And, uh, you know, if you think about GPS, it's the, the global positioning system that we use. It's such a common thing in our lives today that we don't even think about it, do we? I mean, it's in our vehicles. Uh, it's on our phones. For those of you who have smartwatches, you may even have it on your smartwatch. I remember the first Garmin GPS unit that some friends gave us. They were upgrading, and we love it when friends upgrade. And so uh, they handed us this Garmin unit, and... Uh, I think it plugged, I was asking Jen last night, it plugged into the, I think the cigarette lighter of our vehicle and uh, plugged it in and I was like, this is fantastic. We are never going to get lost again. <laughs> Not only that, it was going to help our marriage because there wasn't going to be any more disagreements <laughs> on which direction to turn. But there's two things I learned real quick. Number one, I got really tired of an Australian lady telling me what to do and where to go. That was the first thing. The second thing was, though, as soon as we would head north towards the farm, she would cut out, and we would lose signal. And at the end of the day, we were left on our own trying to figure it out. And so as I thought about this this week, about GPS and God's providential sovereignty, I want to ask you a question this morning. On the journey as a child of God, have you ever felt like you have lost contact with God? Have you ever felt that? Have you ever found yourself wondering if God has forgotten about you? You see, at times in all of our lives, it seems like His direction and His leading is so clear and so empowering. But then there are those moments on our journey where it seems like we're all alone. Trying to just struggle to figure out on our own how to do it. And in those moments, I want to encourage you to remind yourself, as God has reminded me this week in preparation, as Moses reminded the new generation who were on the move towards the promised land, that God's providential sovereignty, divine GPS, is always active and he never loses contact with you. Amen? Listen to how the psalmist describes our great God. Psalm 121. 
I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Amen? That's some blessed assurance. And it's this character quality of God, his sovereignty over our lives, that Moses is wanting the second generation of Israelites to not forget. Just to recap, remember Moses is with them at Kadesh Barnea in the last month east of the Jordan before they cross and head into the promised land. He is now how old? A hundred and twenty years old. Let's not forget, he's 120 years old and is sharing with them the last things that God wants them to know and remember as they get ready to go on the move. And as one speaker I heard this week say, it's as if Moses in these first three chapters that we are, we are looking through is doing a slideshow with them. And some of you might say, a slideshow? What the world is a slideshow? Modern day term, PowerPoint presentation. I remember as a kid going from church to church when we were home on assignment and like the biggest fear was don't ever knock dad's slideshow containers because if they fall out, you know what a pain it is to put them back in order and the right way, right? So it's like Moses, like our missionaries do when they come to conference. They, you go to the rooms and they push the buttons and they, they reflect back and communicate to us how God has been blessing their ministry. And so Moses was recalling the events of the past 40 years so that they can learn from their history. And last week we left off Moses recalling for them how in fear and unbelief their forefathers experienced the anger and the judgment of God. And rather than experiencing the joy of victory which the Lord had promised them, we read last week in chapter 2 verse 1, they turned back, set out toward the wilderness, away from the promised land. Along the route to the Red Sea, as the Lord had directed Moses, and for a long time, they made their way around the hill country of Seir. So this morning, let's pick up where Moses left off his slideshow last week. If you open your Bibles, chapter 2, we will begin reading in verse 2, and we'll read through to verse 25. Then the Lord said to me, you have made your way around this hill country long enough. Now turn north. Give the people these orders. You are about to pass through the territory of your relatives, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. They will be afraid of you, but be very careful. Do not provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land. Not even, though, not even enough to put your foot on. I have given Esau the hill country of Seir as his own. You are to pay, him, pay them in silver for the food you eat, and the water you drink. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have lacked, not lacked anything. So we went on past our relatives, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. We turned from the Arabah road, which comes up from Elath and Ezion Geber, and traveled along the desert road of Moab. Then the Lord said to me, do not harass the Moabites or provoke them to war, for I will not give you any part of their land. I have given Ar 
to the descendants of Lot as a possession. The Emites used to live there, a people strong and numerous and as tall as the Anakites. Like the Anakites, they too were considered Rephites, but the Moabites called them Emites. Horites used to live in Seir, but the descendants of Esau drove them out. They destroyed the Horites from before them and settled in their place, just as Israel did in the land the Lord gave them as their possession. And the Lord said, now get up and cross the Zered Valley. So we crossed the valley. Thirty-eight years passed from the time we left Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the Zered Valley. By then, the entire generation of fighting men had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. The Lord's hand was against them until he had completely eliminated them from the camp. Now, when the last of these fighting men among the people had died, the Lord said to me, Today you are to pass by the region of Moab at Ar. When you come to the Ammonites, do not harass them or provoke them to war, for I will not give you, any, give you possession of any land belonging to the Ammonites. I have given it as a possession to the descendants of Lot. That too was considered a land of the Raphites, who used to live there. But the Ammonites called the Zamzumites, you try reading this passage, congregation. <laughs> it's been a lot of practice in my office this week. They were a people strong and numerous and as tall as the Anakites. The Lord destroyed them from before the Ammonites, who drove them out and settled in their place. The Lord had done the same for the descendants of Esau, who lived in Seir when he destroyed the Horites from before them. They drove them out and have lived in their place to this day. And as for the Avites, who lived in the villages as far as Gaza, the Kaftorites, coming out of Kaftor, destroyed them and settled in their place. Set out now and crossed the Arnarn Gorge. Say, I've given into your hands Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his country. Begin to take possession of it and engage him in battle. This very day I will begin to put the terror and fear of you in all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and be in anguish because of you. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. And I want to highlight three lessons on trusting GPS, God's providential sovereignty, that are very helpful for the journey. The first lesson is this, trust GPS when you come to roadblocks and detours in the journey. Trust God's providential sovereignty when you come to roadblocks and detours on the journey. You see, after spending a long time circling around the hill country of Seir, they heard God tell them to do something that was very similar to what he had commanded them to do 38 years earlier at Sinai, didn't he? Verse 3, you have made your way around this hill country long enough, now turn north. You see, after leaving Kadesh Barnea in a southeasterly direction and wandering around the hill country of Seir for a long time, they were about to be on the move again at the command of the Lord through Moses. And the command was, turn north. This command was the start of a new season for the Israelites as it marked the beginning of the end of their wilderness wanderings. This is a chapter where we see a transition starting to happen. And in accordance with God's providential sovereignty, the Israelites were heading northward again, back towards the promised land. This is good news. Although Moses in his review in Deuteronomy does not give too many details about the experiences that the people have faced wandering in the wilderness, let's not forget that those that made up the second generation who were 19 years old when the wanderings began, are now 57 years old. 
and have just received their latest directions from the Lord, turn north. Moses doesn't explain why Yahweh had the Israelites enter Canaan from east across the Jordan rather than relaunching their campaign from Kadesh Barnea in the south. But what it did mean was that to get to the eastern shore of the Jordan, they would have to travel through different states where different people groups lived. To which the Lord gave some very specific traveling instructions. Look what he says in verse 4. Give the people these orders. It's not let them pray about these things. Have them think about these things. No. He says, Moses, give the people these orders. And the order is this. You're about to pass through the territory of your relatives. The descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother, who lived in the area of Seir. They will be afraid of you, the scripture says, but be very careful. Be very careful. And there's three things he tells them. Do not provoke them to war. I will not give you any piece of their land. And you are to pay them for any food or water that you receive from them. Can I just say it's always wise to be very careful. And pay close attention to the directions God gives us on the journey. Be very careful. Don't travel in a reckless manner. And although the, the relatives of the Israelites, the Edomites, who lived in and around Mount Seir were afraid of the Israelites, why were they afraid of them? Because word of their escape from Egypt and their defeat of the Malachites 40 years ago had reached them. And even though they were afraid of the Israelites, God instructed them to interact with their relatives in a certain way. And so we know from Numbers chapter 20, verses 14 to 21, that as they began to head north, Moses respectfully asked the king of Edom for permission for the Israelites to pass through the heartland of their country, as that would be the most direct route to where the Lord had commanded them to go. And Moses assured the king, he assured them in his request, they would not go through any field, vineyard, or drink any water from any of their wells. They simply wanted to travel along the king's highway, not turning to the right, not turning to the left. And if their livestock did happen to drink some of the water, they would pay for it. They only wanted to pass through on foot, nothing else. Guess what happened? They quickly hit a roadblock. They hit a roadblock. The king not only refused, but even threatened that if they tried, they would march out and attack them with the sword. I don't know if you've ever been denied entry somewhere. It can be very discouraging. I remember one year, Jen and I were heading down with Jason, and I don't know if Daryl was born yet. We were heading to Colorado to go help Bay Forest at his summer basketball outreach camp, and we were going as volunteers. And we had our little uh, Mercury Mystique packed. I don't think the boys could even move in the back seat. And we had a roof carrier on top, and we were ready. We had our route planned of where we're going to camp all the way out, KOAs all the way to Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And we were excited. And we got to the Windsor border. They asked us where we were going. I said, we're heading down to Colorado just to volunteer at a friend's camp. And all of a sudden, he said, I, you can't have entrance into the United States. And we went, what? We have everything here. There's the address of who we're staying with. 
He said, no, because you're volunteering, you're actually taking a position away from an American who could do the same thing. Wow, were we ever discouraged. We weren't even going to make it to our first campsite and be able to use the pool, which we were so excited to use. What do we do? So I said, well, could, I, could we at least go to Pennsylvania and visit my sister and have a vacation? We can cross at another border. I wouldn't recommend that, sir. Wow, we can't even go have a vacation. So we turned around. We hit a roadblock, and we took a detour back to London, where Jen's parents left, contacted Bay, Bay got in touch with his state representative. State representative sent a letter to London. We went back about eight hours later to the border again, went to the border, gave them the letter, and the guy says, why did you even need this letter? Who told you you couldn't enter? <laughs> the only thing I can think is, who knew what the Lord might have been protecting us from that we didn't know? Once I said, who told us? He said, yes. I said, that individual right there. That individual looked at us and said in front of the other person, I've never seen this couple. I've had no interaction with them. Talk about having to learn to live in a certain way. But praise God, he opened the doors and away we went. But we hit a roadblock, we hit a detour, and it can be very discouraging. And so in spite of their relatives not showing the Israelites brotherly love, and, but choosing rather to simply carry on the ancient feud between Jacob and Esau, the Lord told them, do not provoke them to war. Because they were the relatives of the Lord. And he was not going to give them any of their land, not even enough to put their foot on. I mean, that's, that's pretty clear instructions. Foot isn't very big. He says, don't provoke them to war. I'm not going to give you any of their land. Just as Yahweh had allocated the land of Canaan to Israel, listen closely, so he allocated Seir as the rightful possession of Esau and his descendants. The land was a gift from God to Esau and his descendants and could not be occupied by the Israelites at this time. They were not to claim territory given by God who is providentially sovereign over all things and that land had been given by God to them. And here we see the universal nature of God's purposes and his grace. Yes, he had indeed chosen Israel to be his own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But that was for the purpose of using them as a servant people to make known the message of redemption. But at the same time, he also set apart other nations for specific responsibilities. And God commanded Israel to respect Listen, the providential sovereignty that he has over the descendants of Esau. Which meant, like Jen and I had to turn back to London, the Israelites would have to take what to them would, would have probably been, and to us would have been an annoying detour. A more difficult route that, that bypassed Mount Seir. And even though they would have to travel on the desert route instead of the king's highway, it was still on the fringe of the Edomite territory. This is why the Lord warned them to be very careful and to travel in a certain way. Verse 6, we read it. They're to pay for the food and pay for their drink. They weren't to take advantage or be dependent on the people of Esau for handouts of food or drink. And having experienced God's providential care for all their daily needs for all these years, they were now going to experience something new to pay for food and water. But Moses reminds them in verse 7, 
Look what he says there. What a beautiful verse. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. God provided everything for their needs. And as one person I heard this week, but he didn't provide everything for their greeds. We often say once. I think greeds is probably more true to our hearts. He provides everything for our needs, but not everything for our greeds. And brothers and sisters, verse 7, the reviews on God's GPS are impeccable. They lacked nothing. And so on the journey ahead, as Moses clicks the slide, this new generation was continued to trust in the goodness and faithfulness of Yahweh, who in spite of the unbelief and disobedience of the first generation, had still, listen, had still graciously continued to provide for their daily needs over the 38 years of wandering. Isn't he gracious? He still provided for them, even though they rebelled against him. And so on that trip northward, they were presented with a choice. Would they choose to do what they wanted to do or would they trust God's GPS, which is always active on the journey? And as we read in verse 8, they chose wisely. They passed by their relatives. They did the right thing by obeying God's command and deliberately avoided a costly, unnecessary confrontation. I appreciate what one author said this week. There are times when avoiding conflict is cowardly, but there are times when it's a mark of courage and wisdom. Listen to what James says in James 3, 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So rather than take the king's highway, the direct route, the easier way, the Lord directed them to take the desert road of Moab and head northward. Though there may be a way that seems better in our eyes on our journey following the GPS route is always best for us in the end. And so I ask you this morning as I reflected this week, are you frustrated with some of the roadblocks and the detours you seem to be running into on the journey? Can I encourage you, don't look for shortcuts. Trust God's providential sovereignty over your journey and carefully listen and follow his directions. He is watching over every detail of your journey. Trust GPS. When you run into roadblocks and detours on the journey. Secondly, trust GPS to lead you to the destination He is taking you. I want you to just note how sovereign God is over all the events of this world as we go through this section. In verse 9, Moses in his slideshow recalls a second group of relatives the Israelites run into on the journey northward. This time it's the Moabites. And the Moabites were descendants of Abraham's nephew, Lot. And the Lord gave the Israelites the same command regarding them that he had given them regarding the descendants of Esau. Do not harass the Moabites or provoke them to war, for I will not give you any part of their land. I have given Ar to the descendants of Lot as a possession. 
So here again, we see God's providential sovereignty over people groups. The land that the Moabites occupied was given to them by God and was off limits to the Israelites at that time, just as Edom was. And then in verse 10 to 12, Moses kind of has one of those moments, maybe when we used to have mission presentations, something would go wrong with the uh, technical stuff or whatever. What was the first thing we do? Well, let's sing a chorus. It's kind of like Moses, something happened here and he took them on this little historical side road while he's recalling their history with them in verse 10 to 12. But the lesson that comes out of this little detour he took is really important. It was really important for this new generation on the move to remember. So travel with me. Having mentioned Ar, the land of the Moabites, Moses carried along by the Holy Spirit decides in verse 10 to 11 to provide the background to who used to live in the land which the Moabites now possessed by God's providential sovereignty. And in verses 10 and 11, this is what he notes. He notes that in the land of Ar, a people group called the Emites used to live there. And how were they described? Now listen who Moses is talking to, the second generation. And he describes the people who used to live in the land where the Moabites are were strong and numerous, as tall as the Anakites. Does that sound familiar? Do you remember the end of the report from the 10 spies? And we saw the Anakites there as well. Like the Anakites, the Emites too were also considered Raphaites, a term used to describe gigantic people. It was like a whole bunch of bay forests everywhere. Gigantic people. But the Moabites called the Emites a name that means frightful. They were a terror-inflicting type of people. Then he goes on in verse 12 to recap who used to live in the land of Sia, the descendants of Esau. Again, who lived there based on God's providential sovereignty. The Edomites, the descendants of Esau, that first group that they bypassed, and now the Moabites, the descendants of Lot, who they're going to run into, were living in the lands where they were living because of God's providential sovereignty. Folks, there are no coincidences in God's providential sovereignty. He directs and leads people like you and I according to his will and his pleasure. In spite of the size, power, and number of those who originally occupied their land, God, who keeps his word, planted those people groups where he wanted them, and he would do the same for the Israelites in Canaan if they trusted and obeyed. Because God is supreme over all nations. Let me repeat that. That's good news for the time that we live in today. God is supreme over all nations. Do we believe that? Or is this just true in the Old Testament? And he assigns their territories according to his sovereign will. Wow. Acts 17, 26 to 27. Listen. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God is sovereign over all nations. And so because he is sovereign over all nations, the Lord says to that generation, now get up in verse 13. 
get up and cross the Zered Valley. And what did they do? They chose wisely. They obeyed and crossed the Zared Valley. This was a significant milestone for this second generation on the move to the promised land to remember. Verse 14, after 38 had, years had passed from the time they left Kadesh Barnea until they got to this point and crossed the Zared Valley, 38 years had passed, but they were now crossing that valley. But more significantly, by this time, did you catch it when I was reading? All the warriors of the Exodus generation had died. They had died. As the Lord had sworn to them. There's a great warning in there for us. Refusing to listen to his directions or go where he wants to take us can be a costly and even fatal choice. Refusing to listen to his directions or go where he is taking us can be a costly and even fatal choice. And we see there in verse 15, the Lord's hand was against them until he had completely eliminated them from the camp. That first generation perished not for lack of food or water, but because of fear, unbelief, and disobedience to accept where God's providential sovereignty wanted to take them. And the Lord's hand that had fought triumphantly on their behalf against the Egyptians was now turned against them and would not stop until every member of that first generation had been rooted out. Brothers and sisters, as faithful as God is to his promises, he is to his threats. Perhaps you've wondered as we've journeyed through these first two chapters in Deuteronomy, so was everyone from that first generation lost forever? Eternally separated from God because of their rebellion? I don't believe so. Perhaps some. Only God knows. But in Numbers 14 and 11, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have performed among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. To which Moses intercedes on behalf of the people and asks, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people. Just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt and Tanau, and the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. You see, although God did forgive them, they still faced a very serious consequence for their sin. Not one of them ever saw the land God promised on oath to their ancestors. Refusing to listen caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. One year for every year that they were, every day that they explored the land and came back with that bad report. And in the end, God gave them what they asked for. Remember when they were complaining, if only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. God said, I will do the very things I heard you say. In the desert, your bodies will fall, every one of you, 20 years old or more. And the 10 men who gave a bad report, they were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Lost forever? Not necessarily. Forgiven? Yes. But missed out. Missed out on experiencing the fullness of God's promise for their lives. I ask you this morning, 
Are you enjoying the peace and joy that comes from knowing that God who is sovereign over your life has brought you to where you are right now? Sometimes on the journey it can get frustrating. And like the Israelites, we want to look back to where we were. We want to look around to where others are. Do you trust the divine GPS has you right where he wants you to be? Do you fully trust that God's provincial sovereignty has brought you and landed you exactly where he wants to take you? Be careful if you find yourself refusing to accept to go where he wants to take you. In Proverbs 16:9, we read, in the heart in hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Trust the GPS to lead you to the destination He is taking you. And finally, trust GPS and move forward. Trust GPS and move forward in faith and obedience. Look at verse 16 to 18. Now when the last of these fighting men among the people had died, the Lord said to me, Today you are to pass by the region of Moab at Ar. Don't wait until tomorrow to do what God is telling you to do today. We heard a great report this week from uh, one of our deacons who runs a Monday night basketball outreach for us. Down in St. James, most of the guys are from the community. They're not followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, because of our series in Acts and what we've studied so far in Deuteronomy, he was listening to their conversation after they had played basketball. And it was surrounded around, well, I'm never going to get married. Like, I'm, I'm going to have relationships with women, but I'm never going to get married. And our brother felt in his heart the Holy Spirit directed him, go and tell them about the new life you have in Christ. And he said to me, I could have just prayed for them silently in my head. I could have just left it, but he didn't. He went and talked to them. And for an hour after basketball, he shared the gospel with these men. Brothers and sisters, don't wait till tomorrow to do what God has told you to do today. The death of the last remaining warriors was the signal that Yahweh instructed Moses to get on the move. Today you are to pass by the region of Moab and Ar, which would require them to go through the land of another people group, the Ammonites. But as we see in verse 19, like with the Edomites, like with the Moabites, they were commanded to leave the Ammonites alone because they too were related. They were descendants of Lot's. And they had been given the land they possessed by God. A land which Moses recalls in verse 20 and 21, similar to the Moabites, had been occupied by the Rephaites, gigantic people, who the Ammonites referred to as Zamzumites. I don't know why they couldn't just all agree on the names to call these gigantic people. But if I'm going to have a team, I like Zamzumites. So maybe that'll be Calvary's new pickleball team name. I don't know. And the Zamzumites were known for their barbarity. They were strong and numerous, it says in verse 21 and 22, and as tall as the Anakites. But what does Moses remind them in verse 21? Clicks the next slide. Brothers and sisters, the Lord destroyed them. As tall and as big and as barbaric as they were, the Lord destroyed them. From before the Ammonites who drove them out and settled in their place. The Lord had done the same for the descendants of Esau who lived in Seir who he had to bypass. When he destroyed the Horites from before them. 
They drove them out and have lived in their place to this day. What was important for the second generation to learn from looking back through their historical events, through Moses' slideshow, as they can move forward in faith and obedience, trusting in God's GPS, His providential sovereignty. Recalling what the Lord has done will galvanize your trust in God's providential sovereignty as you move forward in faith and obedience. So therefore, verse 24, what does he instruct them to do? Set out now and cross the Arnarn Gorge. See, I have given into your hands Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his country. Begin to take possession of it and engage him in battle. You notice the difference in his instructions to them now compared to what he, how he told them to treat the Edomites and the Moabites and the Ammonites, who he had told to not provoke them to war because he would not give them possession of any of the land that he had given them. Here the Lord says, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon and his country. Begin to take possession and engage him in battle. Not being related to Israel, the Ammonites were not under Yahweh's protection. Therefore, engage him in battle. And the assurance the Lord gave them if they move forward in faith and obedience is found in verse 25. This very day, I will begin to put the terror and fear of you in all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and be in anguish because of you. Proving that the report the ten spies had given <clears throat> was a lie. The spies, the spies gave the report. We are like grasshoppers in our own eyes and they see us the same way. And the people said, <clears throat> the report they have given have melted our hearts. These are strong and powerful people. I'm going to take you to Joshua chapter 2. You remember, and we're, hopefully we'll get there, but you remember, after they had crossed, Joshua then sent spies. At first, he sent spies, two of them, to go to check out the land, and especially to Jericho. And two men went, and they were looked after by Rahab in Jericho. And word had got out that these two spies had come, and they were after them. And she hid them and protected them. But listen to what she said to them compared to the report that the 10 spies gave that melted the hearts of the people, which ultimately led them to wander and to perish in the desert. Listen to what she said. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did at Sihon and Og, which we're going to study next week, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Isn't that something? 
We look like grasshoppers in our own eyes compared to them. And I'm sure they look at us the same way. Really? God said, this very day I will begin to put terror and fear of you in all the nations under heaven. And Rahab's testimony proves that God is faithful. He is faithful. So trust him and move forward in faith and obedience. Because when we trust God's providential sovereignty and by faith obediently follow his direction in our lives, we will witness him fighting for us. Isn't that amazing? Those two spies went there and God had already gone ahead and was already fighting on behalf of his people, melting their hearts in fear. So I close with this. Are you feeling stuck or forgotten on the journey? Trust God's providential sovereignty. Listen, he may have you on the brink of a turning point. 40 years 19 years old. I'm now 57 years old. And they are only days away from experiencing what God had promised them. God will never, GPS will never lose contact with you. Trust Him. He may have you on the brink of a turning point. Recall His faithfulness. By faith obey His directions. And watch Him. Watch Him work on your behalf. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word to us this morning. What an encouraging word. You have focused our hearts this morning on the theme of your faithfulness, taking us places where we are nervous to go, reminding us of blessed assurance, and then through your word this morning, us reminding us that you are sovereign, providentially sovereign over all things. So Father, we bring our concerns, our worries, and we lay them down, and we will choose through the power of your Holy Spirit to trust your providential sovereignty over our lives. When we hit roadblocks, when you take us on detours, we will trust that you are leading us to the destination you want to take us. And by faith in your providential sovereignty, we will be a church, we will be a people who will move forward in faith and obedience, and we look forward to witnessing what you will do on our behalf. We love you, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Is that good news? That's incredible news. Great news. And so I encourage us this morning, as people on the journey, trust in the divine, providential sovereignty of God over your life. He is always active and never loses contact with us. And so as people who have that blessed assurance, let's go out this week. And as we sang this morning, this is my story. This is my praising my Savior all the day long. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and your life, you don't have direction, but would like the assurance that you have witnessed in us this morning, please come and talk to us. Some of our pastors and our wives will be here after the service. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you. Have a great week. Be careful and listen closely to his directions. Amen.